is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. I have a totally amazing guest for you today, a little bit different than anything that we've done historically here on Shandyland. I have Laurel Francoeur, who is a lawyer, advocate, author, speaker, and food allergy mom. And we're going to talk about, well, hopefully all of it. Now that I said that, I'm sure we'll leave something off. But Laurel, thank you so much for being here. I cannot wait to hear your story. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we don't really, I think you're my first attorney. Now somebody's going to be like, I'm an attorney. But I think that you're my first attorney that focuses on food allergy advocacy and law. And I just think that that is so fascinating. Now, you went to MIT. Yes. But you didn't major in any of the things that one might think that you would major in at MIT. You were political science and philosophy. Philosophy. I was going to go with sociology, but I knew that that wasn't quite right. Tell me your story. Tell me your journey. How did you end up at MIT? Because holy moly, good school. And then how did you decide to go down the path of becoming an attorney? I always knew I wanted to be an attorney. Um, The reason I went to MIT is because my dad worked there and I got free tuition if I qualified. (laughs) (laughs) So I couldn't pass that up. Um, Thanks, Dad. (laughs) So um, I I did well in school. I was valedictorian and I, I had the grades to get into MIT. And so my dad really pushed me. He's like, it's free. <laughs> and it's a great education. Free is good. Um, I'd be having that same conversation with my kids. Yeah. So that's why I didn't major in the typical engineering. But I have a Bachelor of Science degree because nobody at MIT gets a Bachelor of Arts degree. So I had to take calculus, physics, chemistry. I mean, all the same sciences as an engineer would. Um, but I have a degree in political science. So yeah. This so then kind of the best of both worlds. You said you always knew you wanted to be an attorney. Why is that? I don't know. I, I loved arguing. I loved debating. Um, I loved LA law in the eighties. If you remember that show. Yeah. Um, it was like my just, mom's favorite, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up, it was always on in the background. Yeah. And I just thought um, that's so a place to make a difference and use skills that I had. I also studied Latin in high school. And so I knew the law had a lot of Latin in it. And that kind of fascinated me. Um, and then when I got to MIT, um, I started doing mock trials. So MIT didn't have a mock trial team. So I created a mock trial team at MIT and we competed against other colleges. And I just realized I really loved doing it. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. So then you become an attorney you go on to have a family and at least one of your children has food allergies. Tell me about that journey. You don't have any food allergies yourself, right? I do. Oh, you do? I have a peanut allergy. Me too. That was diagnosed a few years ago um, because I took peanut out of my diet, Dr. Thanks, because of mm. my son and then reintroduced it seven years later. And now I technically have a peanut allergy. Yeah. An elimination wow. diet is how I discovered several of mine. Yeah, wow. no, I, wow. I hear that. So they say not to not to eliminate something so completely for so long because you're kind of in danger of that. Not a yep, doctor, and that's what, and that's but that's happened. the word on the street. Yeah, yeah. interesting. So, so tell me about your kids because that happened first, right? Um, so now I have so I have my son Jeremy. I only have one child. Okay. Um, and he was born in 2000, and um, at the age one, he was diagnosed with. Uh, peanut allergy. And then after that, we realized he had multiple allergies. It was egg, soy, sesame. He was originally shellfish. Uh, For a time, he was garlic. Um, 
and luckily he grew out of a few of them, like the shellfish. Um, he just passed a sesame talon, so he's not nice. on sesame. Um, and soy, he's pretty much outgrown, but the others have been lifelong. And so uh, peanut, egg, tree nut, tree nut. Yeah. Okay. And and it used to be shellfish, but now right. shellfish he's, he's okay with and soy. Good. I love the. But idea I mean, that was back in two thousand and one, and. He was the only child in his school that had a, had food allergies at the time. Um, it wasn't, uh, you know, widespread like it is now. So, and, uh, yeah. so how did you feel about that? How did you advocate for him, and how did that affect you? Well, I remember talking to my pediatrician when he was first diagnosed um, with, you know, with the egg and the tree nut and shellfish and all that, and the pediatrician basically said well, you know, maybe you should consider cooking all of your meals and maybe like canning foods. And I thought, what am I like going back to Little House on the Prairie? I'm going right? to my own foods and things. Um, Boy. And, yeah. Um, well, one of the things is he actually anaphylaxed to his MMR vaccine in the doctor's office. So. Um, oh my gosh. Doctor, yeah, the doctor panicked. And, because um, of the egg allergy, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. So the doctor was like, this is really serious. You know, you really have to take things seriously. So uh, I, I put him in uh, a preschool that was very accommodating. It was very small, which I thought was the, the key to have something very small. And I went back to work and I really, um, you know, we, we strictly avoided at home. We got rid of all the peanut butter. We got rid of the eggs. You know, we uh, read every label doing all that sort of thing um and i was doing okay until he got to kindergarten and he had a life-threatening reaction at kindergarten and the school didn't handle it properly so i realized i can't be working full-time especially as a lawyer at this point i can't be in court and have the school call me and say sorry judge i gotta go home because my son's having a reaction so i stopped working uh full-time and I concentrated solely on him. And uh, I did little things on the side, like things that were easy to do, like wills and so forth. But then I devoted the rest of my time to learning about food allergies and the law, what my <laughs> rights are. I just had this picture of like, hey, what's your side hustle? I write wills. Yeah. You know, and it just kind of made me giggle in the side yeah. of my head. Sorry. Yeah. So I kept my <laughs> license active. So by doing, like, doing things like that. But I, I started um, really focusing on learning as much as I could about food allergies. Um, one of the things that I learned was in Massachusetts at the time, uh, children were not allowed to have their EpiPen in the classroom. And the I think that's still true in many locations. Yeah. So what happened was um, it had to be in the nurse's office, which was on one end of the school, and his classroom was on the other end of the school. So I worked with my local um, representative and we got a bill passed that now says that all students in Massachusetts can have their EpiPen in the classroom and any other place in school where they're at risk. So, um, and that stemmed out of my frustration that he was on one end of the school and away from his EpiPen when he was having the reaction and the school said there's nothing we can do about it. So I said, well, I'm gonna change that. So I did. Yeah. So, I mean, outside of taking action, like how did that affect you as, you know, a human being to hear from the school, gosh, your kid had a reaction. And by the way, we couldn't get to the EpiPen. I mean, I realize I'm making a very short story out of an important one, but 
Well, they didn't even realize he was having a reaction. So it was at the end of the day, they were doing a gingerbread house project and the gingerbread frosting had egg in it. And they didn't tell me they were gonna be doing this. And he licked his hand that had the frosting on it. When I came to the school, he was cowered in the corner, covered in hives and no one was doing anything. So I had to give Epi and bring so him to the hospital. You went to pick him up. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't go because the school called you. Nope. I cannot. The the day. I mean, I'm the biggest mama bear on the planet. My kids don't have food allergies. It's just me, but I can literally not imagine what my reaction would be once I got that child back home from oh, the hospital. Oh, all hell broke. Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. Or, I would be got, on a, a rampage. Yeah. And it got worse because then the teacher, the, if, the, if my kid's school ever listens to this, they will be laughing because they know, I mean, I have a shirt that says mama bear. And when I'm particularly <laughs> pissed off about something, I wear that to the meetings. Oh yeah. Well, the, 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 what happened was the, the principal decided that um, the kids would have to wash their hands before eating and coming into the room because that wasn't so again we're talking way back when before anyone else had you know he was again the only kid in this class with food allergies so there wasn't a lot of understanding and the nurse said no um I can't wash 25 kindergartners hands I'm not going to do it so I said you are going to do it and she got her union lawyer it's actually the least you can do like Mm -hmm. She got her, her union lawyer involved and I fought and the school threatened to fire her. And so she finally backed down. So then I insisted that I'd be able to come in and watch and make sure she was really doing that. Um, and there was some tension around that. So the principal said, well, I'll do these spot checks and make sure she's doing what she's supposed to be doing. But the worst part of it all was Jeremy was five at the time and he didn't know uh, that he food allergies were life-threatening when we went to the hospital because I was we, we, we didn't want to tell him he, he no, was I, too young to understand about the concept of death and, and all of that right so we would just tell him oh you're going to get very sick and um, we went to the hospital the emergency room doctor saw that he had still had the frosting on his hands and and said oh my gosh we got to wipe his hands you know he could have died and my son heard this and he said mommy I could have died and I had to oh. say yeah um so then he yeah then he had some emotional problems um he didn't want to go back into the cafeteria he started wetting his pants in school um so he had to get some therapy and luckily we found a really good therapist in boston who talked him through it but yeah so uh, sort of unintended things that you don't even realize you know a doctor accidentally saying that he doesn't realize that he said it in the presence of the child who doesn't know this yet you know so um, yeah, so that was wow. really, really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. So how did, how did going through that? I mean, I'm tearing up listening to the story. You know, I, I feel like you're getting emotional too, which is completely understandable. You, you took that rage and probably feeling of helplessness and 20 other emotions. I'm not even filling in here and combine that with your background in trial law and your law degree and probably some argument sessions at MIT and turn that into a career really of food allergy advocacy. Yep. Yep. It sort of became my mission Yeah, to to learn as much as I could and to teach us because I realized there was so, again, the teacher had no clue, you know, uh, as you said today, 
asking them to watch the ends is probably not a big deal, but you're talking about in 2005. Um, you know, well, yeah, I, I realized, mean, so I, I realized I had to, I had to get myself educated on what the law was and then teach other people so that they knew. Yeah. So, so you have done all sorts of advocacy and you have brought lawsuits against a variety of organizations post reaction. What's been your kind of, I mean, favorite isn't probably the right word to use, but your most proud advocacy or, um, you know, law challenge moment, the one that you feel kind of the most attached to, or that has created the most change for other people. I think it has to be the Panera case just because of the press we got. So um, I'm doing that case with Mary Vargas and we're suing Panera and um, the case was filed in 2016 and it's still going on today. <laughs> is, is this the one with the peanut butter? On yes, the, the peanut sandwich? butter. Yeah, the peanut, the peanut butter added to a grilled cheese sandwich. This one's kind of legend in the food allergy community, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just unbelievable that we're still battling that case today. Yeah. So what years later of, of what you can tell us about it, you know, what's been the history of that case? Well, COVID didn't help. That certainly put a lot of, uh, a lot I of mean, the case on hold, but even just going back to the beginning, I mean, I know you say the Panera case, I know exactly what you're talking about, even though you and I have never talked about that before, but for anybody who's listening, what happened? I could tell the legend that's in my head, but you can tell the actual truth. What's the, what's the history of the beginnings of it? So these parents ordered a grilled cheese sandwich for their daughter, among other food online, and specifically wrote on two places in the order that the child had a peanut allergy. And when they received the sandwich, um, they couldn't see that there was peanut butter inside. The peanut butter was, if, if you could imagine that like the cheese going to the edge of the bread and the peanut butter was sort of in the middle of the sandwich. Tucked so nobody inside. could see, nobody could see that the peanut was there. Sealed by she, cheese. Yeah. So she took a bite and went into anaphylaxis. Um, and then we found out that you know somebody actually added peanut butter to the sandwich. The, the original defense, if you will, and I don't mean to use that word in a legal way, was that she interpreted the peanut allergy as add peanut. Yes. Because of the language barrier, which yes, you know, is fine, but not fine that she added the peanut butter, but the language barrier isn't necessarily her responsibility, I guess, but rather the organization to make sure that the things are clear. Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of gave us an insight into what restaurants are doing or not doing. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot about what a website should look like for a restaurant, you know, how it should. So, so what's the, the it, what about, so that's kind of the background of it. And the, we don't really hear all that much about all that many lawsuits happening in the food allergy community. So what's the, it's been going on for a long time. COVID made a bunch of delays. What's the status now? And then where are the other ones? What are the, why don't we see more lawsuits like this? Well, we have a trial date in the spring, so hopefully that will go forward and won't be delayed again. Okay. Um, but why there aren't other lawsuits? I don't know. I do a lot of them. Um, a lot of them settle with confidentiality agreements so that 
you can't talk about them. So I have a couple of cases actually right now that just settled that I would love to talk about, but I can't. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that confidentiality piece is really interesting, right? I mean, obviously I'm not going to ask you to talk about anything that you can't talk about, but because of that, I think that the impression is that, that, you know, people having reactions, life-threatening reactions really isn't as big of a problem as it is because we don't hear about, you know, whether these suits A, happen and B, like, what's the outcome of them? Yeah. Um, and and I, I think a lot of them tend to tend to settle because liability is pretty clear. The customer went in, said, I have a food allergy. They received something that had their allergen. They had a reaction. So it's very hard for the restaurant to deny that it happened. So a lot of them don't make it to court because they just assume settle because they realize a lot of restaurants wow. realize they're liable because what they've done. And settling it is easier. You don't have the bad PR piece, right? Because of these confidentiality agreements, whether they agree with the liability or not, right. probably just a much cleaner situation for them. But I always try to make sure that policy change is part of the settlement. So, um, and I've had a lot of companies as in the middle of the lawsuit will say, we've already changed and look what we've done. So I can say to the clients, look, you've already made a difference. You've changed their policy. Um, yeah. Tell them they need some Serta Star as a part of that change. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, for, for instance, Big I had, change. A, had a, a lawsuit against a, a, meat, a meat company and um, they weren't labeling for milk on there. Uh, they were just calling it lactose. And after the lawsuit, they changed all of their national labeling. So I was like, you know, good. I'm glad now that, you know, they were saying, oh, people should understand lactose as milk. Well, no, not everyone does. There's so, so many words for so many of them. You know, it's just not clear. Yeah. So, so I feel good that 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 label was changed. Yeah. Um, so. You should. So good we, job. Yeah, you are, that we are making changes behind the scenes. How does your son feel about all of the advocacy work that you've done? kind of based on his experiences? I hope he's proud of me. I think he, he's proud of what I do. Um, I embarrass him just like any, any mom embarrasses this. There's That's our job. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I found is him growing up with food allergies, it's, it's made him a very empathetic person. So there's not, it's not all downside of growing up with food allergies. So I, I find that he, he has a lot of empathy for other people. Um, he's very um, conscientious about what he eats. And he also eats probably better than I do. He eats more vegetables and things that I do. Cause so um, I, I think he's, I, I think he's, he's pretty okay with his allergies. You know, he's not, um, you know, one that will get easily upset by things. He kind of rolls with the rolls with it. Um, in fact, when he first went to college, they had a parents, you know, dinner type thing, and it was a buffet. And so I went in and I said, oh my gosh, Jeremy, it's a buffet. We didn't talk to anybody. He says, mom, I already talked to them. It's cool. They're making me a sandwich in the back. I was like, oh, good. I <laughs> mean, what a great this. moment he's, for you, he's right? Like, this. Yeah, yeah. That's so, one of those, uh, like, I raised this kid right moments. Yeah. So, um, so I think, and for him, it's just the way he lives. It's it's just part of his life. That's not what he's grown up with. Yeah. No, good job. I almost always ask food allergy moms, like, how did you, or how are you planning to 
transition that advocacy away from you and to the kid? You know, that self-advocacy? Because I think as moms, we take over a lot of the discussions on behalf of them, but particularly in food allergy land, you have to, at some point, let them do it themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to make uh, cards, like restaurant cards for him and laminate them. Um, I have a cousin who has multiple food allergies. I just made a set of cards for her. So I've always tried to teach, you know, you bring the card in and present the card to the chef or the, the, the server and explain. And yeah, so hopefully Good. he knows, he knows what to do. Yeah. Is it still scary? It is because he's starting to drink now. He just turned 21. Oh yeah. And then all the bad decisions happen. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It only takes one. Hey guys, let's go get some pizza or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So good job. I am, I am always looking for parenting advice on how to get my kids successfully out of the house and mine don't even have food allergies. So, but, so you have also, in addition to all the stuff that we've talked about being the food allergy mom, making all of these changes from a policy and um, procedure perspective and advocating for food allergy people you wrote books. You have single-handedly made me feel extraordinarily lazy. Tell me about the books. What are they and where can everybody buy them? Um, so I, I originally did a book about advocating for your child, and I think it's called How to Advocate for Your Food Allergic Child. Um, but then I wrote a book about flying with food allergies because there wasn't any information out there about flying with food allergies. Um, and a lot of parents think that they have more rights than they actually do. Um, so I have a book, Flying with Food Allergies. And then I partnered with Gina Minette Lee, who is a wonderful woman. I don't know if you know her, but she uh, has done a lot of advocacy herself. She was a special ed teacher. She has a child with food allergies and she does a lot of advocacy. And we partnered and wrote a book about preschools because we realized preschools don't have a lot of the information. Yeah. Um, they sort of got ignored, you know, a lot of K through 12 resources, but at the time, there wasn't anything for preschools. So she and I got together and, and wrote a book um, about preschools. So where can everybody get said books? Amazon. All right. Amazon. That's yeah. got to feel good too. Just go yeah. on Amazon, get my books. So as you're going through all of these lawsuits and this advocacy, you've also created something called the Food Allergy Law Project, right? Yes. So tell me about that. So that was three women. Um, I had this idea that... Uh, there should be some site where people could go to get reliable information because so many people were playing lawyer online and trying to say, well, you should do this, you should do that. And we said, we really want to have a website where people can trust the information that they're getting. So I partnered with Homa Woodrum from uh, Nevada and Mary Vargas from BC. And we realized we're, we're all moms with food allergy kids. We all are lawyers. So we got together and decided we'd create this blog. And, and that's what we did. And uh, life has sort of taken over and we've gotten busy and Homa went on to a job working for the state of Nevada. So, um, and we just sort of haven't had a chance to, to update it. But that was the, the impetus is that we wanted to have a place, a reliable place where people could learn about you know, their rights and what's going on with, with food allergy cases, something reliable. Yeah. The, the cowboy lawyers and the cowboy doctors and the cowboy scientists are out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sharing all sorts of information, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Crazy town. Um, okay. So tell everybody where they can connect with you online 
What's the best resource? Probably my website, uh, frankcorlaw.com. So my last name, law.com. Um, and I have links to different things. I recently posted a video about how to get a 504 plan for your child, because that was a, a big part of my advocacy too, is in getting uh, accommodations for kids at schools. Um, so I have a lot of links on the, on the website there. So that's probably the best place to read. Perfect. All right. And then time for my favorite little game. Uh, we were talking about this beforehand. I think no one pays attention to it, but me, but Laurel says she likes it too. So two truths and a lie. You're going to give us three facts about yourself. One of which is, you know, a lie and in no particular order. And you're not going to tell everybody which one is not true. Okay. So the first fact I had a 75 pound tortoise. The second fact, I played the organ at the National Cathedral. The third fact is I danced on stage at the Moulin Rouge in Paris. Wow. Now I told you beforehand, almost everybody kind of rats themselves out along the way. You did not. I thought a long time about what I would choose. I haven't the foggiest idea, and that might be my favorite ever two truths and a lie. I will tell you, I just got a Salcata tortoise for my kids, and That's right what now, I yeah. So right now he oh. weighs one point oh. six ounces, and I am very afraid of how large that thing is going to get. <laughs> it will get very large. Oh, so am I allowed to? So I'm, yeah, I'm kind you can of say now, whatever you want. I'm kind of now. Oh, that's, uh, so no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he eats like three leaves a day right now. And I just can't, I can't quite picture what's going to happen, you know, going forward. But he's gonna I digress. Huge. He's going to get huge. Uh, Laurel. Well, I started with a five pound. And a Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. I'm sure everybody listening has learned so much. And great job, by the way, on all the things that you have taken your situation and improved everyone else's. So thank you for that. On behalf of the food allergy community, thank you for being here. Listeners, thank you for being here also. And this has been the Shandyland podcast and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.